Section 6 of The Lost Valley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jared Wetzel Brown. The Lost Valley by Algernon Blackwood. Section 6. They came down in dressing gowns to a very late breakfast. They were quiet, grave, and slightly preoccupied. Neither made the least reference to their meeting at sunrise. New lines had graved themselves upon their faces, identical hues, it seemed, drawing the mouth down at the corners with a touch of grimness where hitherto had been merely firmness. And the eyes of both saw new things, new distances, new terrors. Something, feared till now only as a possibility, had come close and stood at their elbows for the first time as an actuality. Sleep, in which changes offered to the soul during the day are confirmed and ratified, had established this new element in their personal equation. They had changed, if not towards one another, then towards something else. But Stephen saw the matter only from his own point of view. For the first time in his memory, he seemed to have lost the intuitive sympathy which enabled him to see things from his brother's point of view as well. The change, he felt positive, was in himself, not in Mark. He knows, he feels, something in me has altered dreadfully, but he doesn't yet understand what, his thoughts ran. Pray to God he need never know, at least until I have utterly conquered it for he still held with all the native tenacity of his strong will to the course he had so heroically chosen. The degree of self-deception his imagination brought into the contest seemed incredible when his mind looked back upon it all from the calmness of the end. But at the time he genuinely hoped, wished, intended to conquer, even believed that he would conquer. Mark, he noticed, reacted in little ways that curiously betrayed his mental perturbation, and, at any other time, might have roused his brother's suspicions. He put sugar in Stephen's coffee, for instance. He forgot to bring him a cigarette when he went to the cupboard to get one for himself. He said and did numerous little things that were contrary to his habits, or to the habits of his twin in all of which, however, Stephen saw only the brotherly reaction to the change he was conscious of in himself. Nothing happened to convince him that anything in Mark had suffered revolution. With the mystical devotion peculiar to the twin, he was too keenly aware of his own falling away to imagine the falling away of the other. He, Stephen, was the guilty one, and he suffered atrociously. Moreover, the pain of his renunciation was heightened by the sense that his ideal love for Mark had undergone a change, that he was making this fatal sacrifice, therefore, for something that perhaps no longer existed. This, however, he did not realize yet as an accomplished fact. Even if it were true, the resolution he had come to acted by way of hypnotic suggestion to conceal it. At the same time, it added enormously to the confusion and perplexity of his mind. That day for the brothers was practically a Dysonon. They spent what was left of the morning over many aimless and unnecessary little duties, somewhat after the way of women, 
although neither referred to the decision to leave at the end of the week both acted upon it in desultory fashion almost as though they wished to make a point of proving to one another that it was not forgotten not wholly forgotten at any rate they made a brave pretense of collecting various things with a view to ultimate packing no word was spoken however that bore more closely upon it than occasional phrases such as when the time comes to go when we leave better put that out or it will be forgotten you know the sentences dropped from their mouths alternately at long intervals the only one deceived being the utterer it was not unlike the pretense of schoolboys only more elaborate and infinitely more clumsy and ill-done stephen at any other time would probably have laughed aloud yet the curious thing was that he noticed the pretense only in his own case mark he thought was genuine though perhaps not too eager he's agreed to leave the dear old chap because he thinks i want it and not for himself he said and the idea of the small brotherly sacrifice pleased yet pained him horribly at the same time for it tended to rehabilitate the old love which stood in the way of the new one he began however to take less trouble to sort and find his things for packing he wrote letters put out photographs to print in the sun even studied his maps for expeditions making occasional remarks thereon aloud which mark did not negative presently he forgot altogether about packing mark said nothing mark followed his example however during the afternoon both lay down and slept meeting again for tea at five it was rare that they found themselves in for tea mark to-day made a special little ritual of it he made it over their own spirit land almost tenderly looking after his brother's wants like a woman and the little meal was hardly over when a boy in hotel livery arrived with a note an invitation from professor samarians he has looked up a lot of his papers observed mark carelessly as he tossed the note down and suggests my coming in for dinner so that he can show me everything afterwards without hurry i should accept said stephen it might be valuable for us if we go to the caucuses later mark hesitated a minute or two telling the boy to wait in the kitchen i think i'll go in after dinner instead he decided presently there was a trace of eagerness in his manner which stephen however did not notice take your notebook and pump the old boy dry stephen added with a slight laugh i shall go to bed early myself probably and mark stuffing the note into his pocket laughed back and consented to the other's great relief it was very late when mark returned from the visit but his brother did not hear him come having taken a draught to ensure sleeping and next morning mark was so full of the interesting information he had collected and would continue to collect that the question of leaving at the end of the week dropped of its own accord without further ado neither of the brothers made the least pretense of packing both wished and intended to stay on where they were i shall look up samarians again this afternoon mark said casually during the morning and if you've no objection i might bring him back to supper he's the most obliging fellow i've ever met and crammed with information stephen signifying his agreement took his camera his specimen tin and his geological hammer and went out with bread and chocolate in his knapsack for the rest of the afternoon by himself
End of section six.